And good evening, Chatham Christian Center. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's an honor to be part of your month-long celebrations for your church anniversary. Congratulations. And as you celebrate 47 years of existence as a church body, this past February, there was a whole lot of celebrating around the world as well, as people were joining in on the Winter Olympics that were hosted in Beijing. And the Winter Olympics are an international multi-sports event. It's an event where there are over 84 countries with over 2,800 athletes who compete against each other. Canada actually won 26 medals and came in 11th place. Go Canada. And so, yeah, it's very exciting. It's a great, it's a great victory. And now what I find interesting about this international sporting event is that every athlete selected to be on the Olympic team for whatever country it was, they did not just get there by chance nor by talent alone. Rather, each athlete had to hire the right coach to get them to the top. And finding a great coach can be difficult. Well, the reason for this, according to the International Olympic Committee, is that not all coaches are in the profession for the right reasons. The International Olympic Committee actually gives a definition and for the top quality to look for in a coach. And this is this, and this is that. The best coaches are in the profession because they love it. Besides being strongly committed to the sports and success, the best coaches display a clear commitment to looking out for the best interest of the individual athletes. Coaching in many ways is a 24 seven, 365 days a year job as top coaches live and sleep the art of coaching. So these coaches are able to think of every possible scenario and allow the athlete and coach to perform at their best when the pressure is at its greatest. And you can go and find that on www.olympics.com. And so finding someone who is this committed to leadership is quite the task. How can anyone exist like that who lives and breathes to bring you to a winning no matter the cost? Well, Interesting enough, when I pick up my Bible, I look in the book of Exodus and I can see that not only there, but throughout the whole word of God, that there is someone who can live up to this Olympic committee's expectation of the right coach. His name is God, the Lord Almighty. And he is the one who has coached you as a church to this 47th year anniversary where in the Old Testament, we read about a committed God who is concerned for his people called the Israelites. And then in the New Testament, we see the same coach in the person of Jesus Christ. And this is exactly what I want to share with you today as you celebrate your 47th year anniversary, the commitment of God to his people. And so the title of this message is The Right Coach. So I want us to turn to the book of Exodus, chapter 13, and we're going to read verses 17 to 18, and then verses 20 to 22. And the Bible says, When Pharaoh let the people go, God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the sea. And the people of Israel went up 
out of the land of Egypt, equipped for battle. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of, of fire by night did not depart from before the people. So let me give you a little context of what is going on at this time in the Bible. God had just sent 10 plagues as judgment against Pharaoh and his nation of Egypt for enslaving the people of Israel and for refusing to let them go. The Bible narrates that these plagues brought about discomfort for the Egyptians and rightfully so. God turned the Nile into blood. He sent frogs. He sent flies. He sent gnats. He killed the firstborn, not only from the people, but all the way up to the livestock. And so Exodus describes that Moses would go and warn Pharaoh of a plague. The plague would take place for some days until Pharaoh would temporarily repent. And because of his hardened heart, the plagues intensified to the climatic point where the firstborns were killed. And this is what finally broke Pharaoh. As his first child died, Pharaoh said, fine, go, go and be free. And he was relieved to see God's people go. So now that God's people are free from slavery, where are the people of Israelite going to go? Well, God Almighty told them that what he promised to their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that now was the time to give them the land of Canaan. This promised land is what we know today as Israel, where there existed a fertile land good for agriculture and shepherds, a land where wheat could be grown and their cattle and sheep could graze, a place of opportunity where God's children would live in freedom and thrive. How many want to live in freedom and thrive today? Well, God displays a clear commitment to his people. And that's what I want to chat about with you today. First thing, how he displays his commitment to his people. He actually looks out for the best interest of those he leads. So number one, God displays a clear commitment to looking out for the best interest of those he leads. And we see this in Exodus 13 verses 20 to 22, where the people of God were going through the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. When we talk about coaches and sports and something like the Winter Olympics, we think about a coach who has to be a person who can't just be anyone. It has to be a person who has experience and therefore understand the sport. To teach effectively, a coach must know the fundamental skills of the sport and the strategy and the tactics to defeat the opponent. And God was there as a coach for the people of Israel. He was leading the people of Israel. He was guiding them. And he was the perfect coach for them since he created the heavens and the earth. He created everything good in it and he understood the way the world worked and the way the enemy works. And so God was the best counsel there was to give them direction, wisdom, and guidance as his children walked from slavery into freedom. 
And so when we look at what a professional coach does for a team, this is what he does. He looks out for the best interests of his people or her people. And as the Israelites were following Moses, God took them by a longer route instead of a direct route. He took them through this long process of a wilderness and God didn't do this because he wanted to teach them a lesson. He didn't do this out of spite. He didn't do this because he wanted them to work harder and appreciate him. He actually did this because God wanted to spare his children from the fierce fighting from the Philistines. He didn't want them to lose heart. He didn't want his people to go back to slavery. He didn't want them to give up and quit easily. He took them the long way to protect them from severe harm. He was looking out for their best interest. Next, as they were on the way, the Bible tells us that Moses went before them as their leader. So Moses is before them, but who is guiding Moses? Amazingly enough, the Bible clearly says that the Lord himself went before them. How many say hallelujah for that? God the Lord was present in their very time of need. Verse 21 says, the Lord went before them. Not only did he go before them in a way that people are thinking, oh, well, you know, it's in my spirit, it's in my head. No, it says by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way. By night in a pillar of fire. And not only was the Lord present, but the word continues to read that the Israelites could actually see him with their eyes in a manifested way. They had a visible manifestation of the presence of God, what we call a theophany. As seen in the narratives of the Exodus, the Sinai Covenant, the wilderness wanderings, and the dedication of the temple, they could actually physically see something in front of them, not an imaginated thing, not something that they could discern or feel. They could see the living presence of God before them. So when we see this, we see that God is committed to his people by showing them that he is looking out for their best interest as God is here to look out for the best interest for Chatham Christian Center. As God is with you and he is committed to you as a people, to you as a leader, Paul, to you as a board, to you as a congregation, as a community, he is there to look out for the best interest and has been doing that for 47 years. And for that, we give him glory and praise because he is right there with you Amen. number two when we talk about God's commitment to his people we see that God displays commitment by defending those individuals that he loves God is our defender Exodus 14 10 goes on to describe that after the Egyptians army saw that the Israelites had left, Pharaoh suddenly realized and like a smack in his head, he was like, oh no, what did we do? Why did we let them go? So he grabbed 6,000 of his men and his best chariots and he went up after the Israelites, even though he had said they were free. So the enemy came running behind the Israelites, the whole army, and the Israelites were petrified 
as they had every right to be. They are on their way to freedom, they're singing victory, and then from far, far, far in the long distance, they can hear, they can hear the chariots, they can hear an army. And so as they're getting scared, Moses, their leader, who has their coach from above, he is coaching them as God is coaching him, and he reassures them. And he tells them, hey, up ahead is filled with salvation. They have nothing to fear. He says in verse 13 to 14, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. When I hear this, I get motivated. And if I get motivated, I get excited. My spirit starts to awaken because I know that no matter what the future holds, that no matter what is going to happen with Chatham Christian Center in the future, that no matter what will happen to our leaders, that no matter what will happen with the times we are living, God is there to protect and defend his people and his pillar, his presence is with us. And so I need Need to pick up courage and understand that God excites and motivates me when he says, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. So Moses is encouraging the people. Why? Because they can, they can see, they can hear. They're, they're like, oh no, they're right behind us. And so Exodus 14, 19 to 20 tells us the angel of God who was before the host of Israel actually went and moved behind them and the pillar of cloud moved from them and stood behind them coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. God actually moved his position and put himself on the position of defense. And when we hear that, we need to go and define what does defense mean? Defense means protecting from an attack, protecting from danger or injury. For example, when I was a young girl, I remember I really liked the sport of volleyball. And I remember being on a team and learning more about the sport and getting training. And something that we learned from our coach was how to block a spike. So when the opposing team wants to come and they want to smack that ball over the net onto your side to get a point, we had to learn strategy and tactics so that we could block that spike as team players. And so as a coach, we had someone who would tell us, this is what you need to do to prevent the attack. This is what you need to do to prevent the other team from scoring. This is exactly what God was doing in his presence, in that theophany, with among his people. He provided a column where he offered protection from the Israelites' enemies, those who pursued them. And how did God do this? Well, to the west of the Israelites' camp, there was like a protective screen between the two peoples. Almost like what's going on here in the world with the plexiglass in between people, the face masks in between people. You go to the stores, you go to churches, and you can see some plexiglass. And so there is a protective screen between the enemies of Israel and God's people. And so that, during the day, while the first hours of the morning, while it was still dark, the Israelites could actually get up to prepare for their trek. I mean, who likes to get up early? 
it, it's really hard when it's still dark out and the kids are like, why are you still waking me up to go to school? Uh, it's still dark out. It's not daytime. Who wants to get up that early to work, to pray, to seek the face of God, to do anything? But these people, they knew that they needed to take advantage because they had coaching from God who coached Moses, who Moses then coached them and said, we need to get up early. We need to take advantage of the time while people are sleeping, while it is dark on the other side, while God has provided darkness for them and light for us, we need to prepare for our trek. So they needed to get up before the sun rose so they could actually get in as much of their journey before the sun kicked in strong. And if you've ever been out in the long summers here or in countries abroad where the sun is very strong, usually between the hours of 11 and 3, you know you want to get out of that because if not, you will be burned, you will be exhausted, you will be under that scorching midday sun. And that's what the Israelites were avoiding. God had given them a tactic. God had given them a way to defend themselves against the enemy. And so that during those noon hours, the Israelites could rest, you know, and, and, and recuperate and sleep so that then again, they could travel on towards the night. And so during the day, the cloud the presence of God was set on the east towards the sunrise. And it is there that the cloud was calling them. The cloud was beckoning them. The, call, the cloud was signaling to them, come this way, come this way, follow me. A symbol of God's presence and protective care was right before them, calling them and telling them where to go, where to walk, how to move so that they could defend themselves. By positioning itself, the pillar, God, between the armies of God and Israel, God basically engulfed the Egyptians in darkness on one side while lighting the way with its fire for Israel on the other. So when I see that, basically what I see is that God in his infinite wisdom, in that mind that just blows us away with how he can know everything and see everything, God hid the Israelites' movements in the cloud. He covered them with his presence. He protected them from the danger so that the enemy could not see what they were going, what they were doing, where they were headed. Can you imagine how many times God has protected you as a church from attacks and hid your movements so that you could have victory over 47 years? Paul, can you imagine how many times God has saved you or used you for God's glory to lead this people, to coach them ahead, and sometimes the congregation will never even know how much they have been protected from the enemy because there was a coach, not only from above, but a coach here as a leader who was covering his people in prayer, with maneuvers, with wisdom, with choices that people probably did not agree with. Yet Paul said, I am going to go this way. The board said, we're going to go this way, despite the challenges, despite what they're saying. And the congregation will never know how many times the cloud of God, God's presence actually protected you from the attacks of the enemy.
Psalms 105.39 says that God spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give light by night. The Lord Almighty committed to his people by providing a defense mechanism for them during the attacks of the enemy. Now, that's a great coach. Someone who shows you how to resist losing. And I don't know about you, but I don't like to lose. And I sure don't want to be on a losing team or with a coach that doesn't know what he's doing. So I am so thankful that you are serving a God who knows how to coach you to victory, who knows how to defend you, who knows how to give you the tactics on how to succeed against the enemy. Hallelujah for that. Amen. And lastly, God shows his commitment to those that he coaches by showing them how to score against the enemy. So not only is God looking out for the best interest of his people, not only is God wanting to protect you and, and defend you, but now he's going to tell you, okay, we're going to show you now how to score, how to win, how to have victory, how to defeat the devil in Jesus' name. And so Exodus 14, 21 to 24 describes how Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord himself drove the sea back by a strong wind all night and made the sea turn into dry land. And the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, with the waters being a wall to them on one side and a wall to their left side, a wall to the right side. Can you imagine at this point, the Israelites can only hope for the best and pray that those walls of water don't cave in. We see here that God has now moved himself from a position of defense to a position of offense. And offense means the act of attacking. And maybe for some of those who are a little passive, they don't want to think about conflict. You don't want to think about Odo attacking. But listen, this is spiritual warfare. We are in a battle for life in death against the enemy and against where we are seeing the darkness and the light and I want to win and you certainly want to win because I know who's on my side I know there's a coach above I know I got great leaders around me I know I'm in a church where pastors looking out for the best for me and I'm certain that he is a winner so I am going to win but I gotta put my part and just like in the sports the team members who are on a team, just like you, Chatham Christian Center, you are a team. You are part of one whole unit where your primary responsibility is not to just defend, is not just to, to protect, but your responsibility is also to score in the name of Jesus. So using strategy and tactics against the opposing team is necessary to score. For example, in volleyball, when I was a youth again, I remember not only did I learn how to protect myself from a spike, how to block and jump up against the net in case a ball was trying to come over and try to block it. But we also learn in volleyball that you have to figure out how to get the ball and set it 
for a position where your teammates can score points. You want to make sure you get that ball in the right height, the right speed, and you got to make sure that your teammates are ready because if you hit that to the back, to the middle, to the front, that team member's got to be ready to try and score over the next team because you want points. You want to win. That's the point of a sport. That's the point of hiring a coach. That's actually the point of Christianity that God went to his throne and he brought his son down here to die for our sins, to resurrect on the third day so that we could win, so that we could have points over the enemy, so that we wouldn't have to fret and have anxiety about the future, about what's to happen, about war and all these things that are changing, but to give us that confidence and assurance that because he defeated the devil, we have also defeated him. He is under God's feet and he is under our feet in Jesus' name. Amen. Exodus 14 24 says that God defended the Israelites against the Egyptian army. In the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. So as they cross the sea, the people of Israel, all of a sudden, they're like, okay, well, now what's happening? The Egyptians are behind us. They're starting to come also on dry land. They're starting to go in the midst of this sea that's been parted. What are we going to do? Well, God came mightily, strongly, and readily, and he turned everything around and he confused those chariot wheels. He confused the Egyptian forces. He clogged their wheels supernaturally. And so it felt like, oh, I can't drive this. It, it, it's not moving forward. Why are the wheels stuck? And throughout scripture, we see that God saves his people time and time again. We see fire and cloud are used as symbols to represent the future, the nature of God, to represent his attributes, to represent his presence in the cloud, his power and purity in the fire. And these characteristics, these attributes, we also find in the person of Jesus Christ. Today, we don't get a cloud in front of us. We don't get a fire where I can visibly see that manifestation of God's presence. But I know that by faith, my Redeemer lives. And I know by faith that the blood of Jesus has been washed over me. I have been sealed for the day of redemption. And I can trust and you can trust with me that it it doesn't matter what is going to happen. That death and resurrection that we have in Christ is a win like no other. And that to me is a great sign that I'm on the right team, that you're on the right team. In conclusion, before the Israelites left Egypt, all they knew was to wake up, to work and sleep. They'd been slaves for so many years. Everything was routine and convenient. Everything was expected. There were no surprises. However, going out of Egypt, they faced uncertainty. They faced fear. Yes, they're excited and eager to leave, but still, they are not sure where and how to arrive at their promised land. 
how to arrive to their promised freedom. How will they get to their victory? How will they get their win? So the Bible tells us in Exodus 13, 22, that the pillar of cloud was there by day and the pillar of fire was there by night, did not depart from the people. The Israelites didn't just stumble through the wilderness on their own. They could not trust their own intellect or what they knew. They had to actually trust on something besides their instincts. They couldn't look at geography. They couldn't think about landscape. They couldn't rely on what they knew. They needed to have a sense of direction from God. They needed to keep their eyes on the cloud and fire. And if they did this, then they would arrive at God's destination. Hebrews 12, 12 says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. And in Hebrews, if we put it in the context, it's like saying, let us fix our eyes on the cloud and fire. Let us fix our eyes on the presence of God. Let us fix our eyes on the power and purity of who God is. Let us fix our eyes on the promises that he is committed to his people. Our story as a church body, our story as a church speaking on all levels is that we live in faith and open our eyes to God's truth. He is with his children. He is with you, Chatham Christian Center. He is committed to his love for you. His love is not emotional. His love is not like a wife and a husband where one day I don't feel like loving him. I'm not going to do this for her. I'm not going to do this for him. Where one day we wake up and we're like, oh, I'm leaving him because I don't love him anymore. God is not an emotional God. God is a God who has stability, who has emotional stability, who has intellectual stability, who is a God who is mighty and where one day his feelings change and don't change. No, he is never changing. And he does not base his feelings for us based on our circumstances or based on our actions. Instead, God is your Olympian coach and he wants the best for you. He's going to walk with you until you get to your promised land, until you get to your freedom, until you get to your victory and to your win. And so today we have walked through a couple of chapters in the book of Exodus. If you want to learn how to find the best coach in your life, if you want to find someone who's going to stand by your side no matter the pressure, no matter the obstacles, or whatever is thrown at you, then you got to find a coach who is sitting on his throne and with at the right hand of the Father, we have the Lord Jesus who is waiting for us, waiting for that day when we will be up there and he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Welcome. Come. Come into this home. Come into this throne. Come and live among us because he loves us. This coach is a coach who will come through us no matter what the circumstances because he is strongly committed to looking out for the best interests in his family. And he wants you to be his family. He wants us to be committed to him as he is strongly committed to us. And so for us to get to a level of victory, to get to another 47 years, to get to the next level as 
Chatham Christian Center continues to grow and thrive and prosper. God specializes in coaching. Paul McPhail doesn't specialize in, in, in coaching. The board does not specialize in coaching, but they trust the one who is the best coach, who is the right coach. His name is Jesus Christ, the Lord Almighty. He is our King. And because Chatham Christian Center trusts this God, trusts this coach, you can trust that God is going to work 24-7, 365 days a year. He's never going to sleep. He's never going to quit on you. He's never going to quit coaching you. He's always going to be there because he knows everything. He can think of every possible scenario in your life. He can think of all the attacks that are coming against you. He knows what's coming your way. And in partnership with you as his trainee, with me as his trainee, God will be able to do great things through you as a church body, through you individually, through you in your community. And guess what? God does not set you up for failure. He sets you up for success and you will succeed in Jesus name. I believe it. He is going to look out for your best interests. He is going to defend you. He's going to defeat the attacks that come up against your life. And all you got to do today is say, I will trust you, God, as the right coach. I will let you through in my life through the person of Jesus Christ by committing to you my heart, my life, and my wins because you believe in me. So today, Chatham Christian Center, I bless you and I thank you for this amazing opportunity. We don't know what lies ahead for you in the next season, but God does. And I just want to prophetically prepare you for what the transition could be and that you would seek God and trust him in this next process. Whatever the next season holds for Chatham Christian Center, whatever the next season holds for you, Paul McPhail, as you move on from being our national uh, director for the IOGI, will you trust God? Will you know that he is on your side? Will you know that he is the right coach? And whatever steps you decide to make, God is leading you. God is guiding you. He's going to defend you and he's going to protect you and he's going to help you win. So today I congratulate you in Jesus name. I bless you. Amen.